Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Talk Recorded live. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. How should a Sunday school teacher advise students about praying at their public school? On behalf of the Christian Law Association, that's attorney David Gibbs, Jr., And this is the Legal Alert. A Sunday school teacher contacted the Christian Law Association because she wanted to give her students legally accurate information. Some of the students in her Sunday school class admitted to her that they were afraid to publicly pray at their public school for fear of getting in trouble with the school administration. One of our attorneys complimented this teacher for encouraging students to pray wherever they are. The attorney further advised that students are legally allowed to pray and read their Bibles throughout the school day, but only during non-instructional time. The U.S. Department of Education specifically lists lunchtime as an example of non-instructional time when students are absolutely free to pray or read their Bibles. And the Christian Law Association will help any student who encounters difficulty with this. The Christian Law Association is standing by with free legal support. Visit ChristianLaw.org to link up with us. That's ChristianLaw.org. Thanks for joining us today. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Oh, 
call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me, Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you, and what more besides, you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war.
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Change that seems to 
Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1. It's now time for our morning prayer. You know we do here we at the bottom of the hour we go into go into prayer. No matter what the problem is, there's a lot of needs. But we know that prayer does Thank you. Thank 
to serve and turn to your will. Just the next to prepare to serve and seek, Lord. Grant her strength. Instructions in general your family. We thank you, Lord, for all your many, 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 many blessings. ancient Latin phrase quorum Deo which means before the face of God or in the presence of God to stand quorum Deo is to be aware of God's presence and to be sensitive to the involvement of God in human life to live quorum Deo is to realize that God is working to forgive to heal to strengthen and save us that's the Reverend Bill Flippin Jr. and today he brings you a powerful message of faith and hope I'm Peter Wallace this is day one. Welcome to day one, the weekly program that brings you outstanding preachers from America's mainline Protestant churches, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your life. Thank you, Sherry. Today on Day One, we're pleased to have with us the Reverend William E. Flippin, Jr., pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Bill came to Emmanuel early last year after serving for five years as pastor of St. Matthew Evangelical Lutheran Church in Columbus, Georgia. Bill is a graduate of Morehouse College in Atlanta and graduated with a Master of Divinity degree in 2002 from Interdenominational Theological Center and Morehouse School of Religion in Atlanta. He has also earned Master's in Theology from Candler School of Theology at Emory University and from the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago. He is working toward a Doctor of Ministry degree from Ashland Theological Seminary. Bill, welcome back to day one. Delighted to be here always. Since you were last with us nearly two years ago, you have moved to Atlanta to serve as pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church. How would you describe the church you now serve? It is a uh, church that is uh, 66 years old. It encountered a lot of transition uh, racially in the mid-70s, early 70s. Mm -hmm. So they like to claim that they are a multicultural church. It's a progressive church. 
and I'm really enjoying. I, the best thing I love about it is the personalities of mm. the people. This transition for you has not only been physical but spiritual and psychological as you continue to pursue your interest in ecumenism. Mm. How are you fulfilling that interest, and why is it important to you? Mm. I've always had an interest in ecumenism, even during my times at ICC and even at uh, Columbus. But Atlanta is a place that can really uh, cultivate mm -hmm. that and foster that by virtue just of my connections being within the Baptist Church and even with ITC not too far from uh, Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. One of the things that that has changed since the last time we talked, I am the uh, ELCA liaison in the Church Council for the United Methodist Church, mm -hmm. but, um, but, but I've changed a little bit that, that I'm more into not the theological, the doctrinal, mm -hmm. but more the truly the relationships, mm -hmm. you know. I, I think that the kingdom is truly at stake and that we can't afford at this time to really just go through theological jargon, but that we uh, roll up our sleeves and do the work of the kingdom. So I'm a little bit more aggressive in that pursuit. You are working on a new paradigm for church congregations and how they might work together. It's called TAP, the Transformative Atlanta Parish. Tell us what that's all about. It is, uh, first of all, coming from one of my favorite scriptures, Acts chapter 2, uh, they all held things in common. Uh, the early church, I'm fascinated with the early church at best of coming together. A lot of people say that uh, they were coming together because they were persecuted, but it, it's all about relationships. When I describe it, it's not about theology. It, it's, it's an outpour, really, of uh, Georgia Lutherans that uh, were at the forefront then in my conversations with various people within our church and our community in the Lutheran Church, Jackie L. Toro and uh, Linda Few. But um, it's really uh, one of those things that is radical. There's no model that's been done before to put two uh, Missouri Senate congregations mm -hmm. and North American Lutheran Church congregations, all Lutherans, mm -hmm. uh, together, working together for the kingdom. I mean, you think about it, historically you have schisms uh, among one, and even with the Missouri Senate, it's mm -hmm. kind of, um, separating themselves a little bit more than usual, but it's saying that, you know, we are friends and we care more about the kingdom as opposed to letters. So it's about that and coming together, not based on necessity, but, but for our love of God and the kingdom. So you're able to put aside some of the theological differences and work together. What a concept. Absolutely. And one of the things that I always say about TAP is really not about theology. You say that mm -hmm. loosely because sometimes it is, but we try not to even get into the table fellowships, and, and even though we have worship, but it's more fellowship mm -hmm. and business. For instance, uh, one of the partner churches, proposed partners churches, is Christ Lutheran Church in East Point. They have a gym. They have a wonderful school. So instead of me doing a capital campaign for Emmanuel in regards to that, we can use that, and we have some resources at Emmanuel. So it's not about mm -hmm. me being the pastor of Emmanuel, but it's being a lover of the kingdom and all the constituent partners. It is my desire that this is just the kind of catalyst for other denominations to come together with that. I have uh, had some maybe people ask, they say, well, you need to deal with Emmanuel first and those at home, but this is what I think that the model of cooperative sharing is all about in the kingdom. Say more about the history behind this movement. It came about about 10 years ago where they had Team Lutheran. This hmm. was uh, with Missouri Center, particularly Christ. Peace Lutheran Church and Decatur came together and that we would sometimes go to a Braves game, Lutheran Night of the Braves, and would have a Lutheran Night and sing together. And that kind of grew and grew again. And I think through time, through the doctrinal differences and things like that, that mm -hmm. it kind of phased away. So it just, it's an outpour, really, of that in the conversation to say, you know, what happened to that expression mm -hmm. of love and unity that was there um, and 
just to revitalize it. So, so this is just the strategy uh, in form, just in words, of what has already been taking place. And you're also working to bring together Lutherans and Roman Catholics mm-hmm. at Xavier University in Louisiana. Yes. Tell us about that. Yes, I have a good friend, Dr. Maurice Nutt, who is now the director of the Black uh, Studies at uh, Xavier University. So uh, one of my desires is to have uh, within even ITC where we can have an institute together mm-hmm. of how do we work together, particularly grassroots. Uh, being an associate now with HealthierChurch.org. So how can Lutherans and Roman Catholics work together, which is at the forefront even of the ELCA mission Mm -hmm. as we move to the 500th anniversary of the Mm -hmm. Reformation in 2017. So that's real, real exciting. Well, your sermon today, as we celebrate All Saints Sunday, draws from Revelation Chapter 7, and you'll explore the concept of coming to God through common experience. How does that relate to your vision of the parish and ecumenism? It definitely has a lot to say about even with, you know, all saints. I love the uh, Lutheran Church to say that we are all saints, but the common experience of those who are uh, shaped in sin and iniquity to come together for a common purpose. And I think that common purpose is not only our baptism, but it's through relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk to business corporations, you talk to say the main thing that people have to realize at the end of the day, notwithstanding to the greatest strategies, the theories, is relationships. Mm-hmm. And I believe that relationship was best expressed through Jesus Christ on the cross. So that's what it's about in that interplay I see in Revelation chapter 7. Would you read the scripture for us? After this, I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice saying, Salvation! belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple, and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Bill, your sermon is entitled Quorum Deo. Thank you for being with us. Well, I'm delighted to be here always. And if you'd like to read or share a transcript of Bill Flippin's sermon, call us toll-free at 1-888-411-DAY1. Or you can listen again to today's program on our website at dayone.org. You've heard of six degrees of separation. If you haven't, this is a theory that everyone and everything is six or fewer steps away 
by way of introduction from any other person in the world so that a chain of a friend of a friend can be made to connect any two people in a maximum of six steps. We see this phenomenon take place through social media outlets such as Facebook, which shows us when a friend is requested the mutuality of friendship. And yet, whether it is by six degrees or six hundred, the idea of connection will always intrigue us. Small world experiences give us a sense of security, and they support our deeply held desire for the world to be an orderly and acceptable place. We desperately want to be connected to others so that we won't feel lost in a complex, confusing, cold, and often cruel world. But regardless of the size of our separation from strangers, there is one link in our life that can always be shortened and strengthened, our relationship with God. No kidding, no myth, no degree of separation. In this search for a shorter link to the Lord, the saints of God can show us the way. In Revelation, John has a vision of heaven, and in it he sees a great multitude from every nation standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cry out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. These saints are standing in the presence of God, proclaiming that salvation belongs only to God and to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. There is an ancient Latin phrase from their particular position, Coram Deo, which means before the faith of God or in the presence of God. To stand Coram Deo is to be aware of God's presence and to be sensitive to the involvement of God in human life. To live Coram Deo is to realize that God is working to forgive, to heal, to strengthen, and save us. It is to believe that salvation belongs only to God and to the Lamb. Coram Deo is quite simply no degree of separation. About the best we can do is practice it. Brother Lawrence, a Christian mystic, suggests that the practice of the presence of God involves the realization that we're constantly under God's gaze. It includes a daily determination to be sensitized to God all around us, to be aware of his sovereignty, to be submitted to his authority. It involves the realization that God loves us, delights in us, and desires a close personal relationship with us. It's a life, Coram Dale, in the presence of God, one in which we are constantly aware of God's saving actions on our behalf, and one in which our day-to-day actions become nothing less than acts of service to God. Coram Dale, for all saints out of every nation, they are of all tribes and peoples and tongues. The separation brought about by the sin and confusion of earth is done away in Christ. In heaven, its effects disappear. There the barrier caused by diversity of tongues will cease, and the final union of all tongues and tribes in the heavenly state will present the true solution of the long-vexed question of the unity of the human race. Every land will yield its tribute of souls to Jesus and will thus prove in the common destiny of humanity that God made of one blood all nations of humanity. In the immediate presence of God and the Lamb there will be no Jew and Greek, bond and free, 
all are one in Christ Jesus. This is done by the work of Christ already given to us on the cross. Christ alone has made them white or new through the expression of robes that denotes character and the habit use of dress. Just as David desired in the 51st rendition of Psalm, verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Here David again refers to the spiritual washing required for his cleansing. He makes a deliberate request of God to wash him, knowing that only the cleansing power of Almighty God can make a man clean and pure. Though his sins have covered him and filth and stained him to the very roots of his being, the washing power of God makes a man whiter than snow. Real survivors are those who grow through the great tribulations of daily life, knowing God to be their hope of salvation and heaven to be their final destination. They know that in all things they are more than conquerors through him who loved us, and that nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Christ Jesus our Lord. Coram Deo, we come to God through the pathway of common experience. The saints in Revelation come to God out of the great tribulation, one and all have had tribulation in some form or other, but they have left it all behind. They are freed from it now. The fact indicated here that the great tribulation was one which touched all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues is of itself subversive of any theory which would limit it to merely partial or local sorrow. The terms of the verse require us to regard the tribulation as widely extended both as to space and time. Our path of tribulation is noted by Christ himself that tells us in Mark chapter 8, and he summoned the multitude with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. For whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel shall save it. This is the reality of our sin that is shaped in our iniquity as sinners. But alas, we have good news in the midst of our common experience. Coram Deo is all saints through our heavenly common redemption. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross stretches out its arms to everybody through our common experience, to the lost, to the vulgar, to the hopeless, to the guilty, to the condemned, to the weary, to the tormented, to the drunkard. The atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus availed for them all. The cleansing virtue of a Savior's grace purified them all. They washed their robes in their earthly life. They experienced this sanctifying grace. The lesson for those who are saints past, present, and future is the death of Christ has a worldwide meaning. We fulfill this meaning when we touch God and realize our imperfection, and we humble ourselves to confess our sins and ask for God's gracious mercy. To me, it's like a story I heard regarding the realities of being sinful, yet righteous for Lutherans. It is the simulusus apocata, simultaneously righteous yet sinner. Through this growing awareness 
and activity, we move ever closer to enjoying no degree of separation. Violet Asquith was once sitting next to the great Winston Churchill at a dinner party. She said that he sat there for a long time and said very little. She reported that he seemed to be in deep thought. Then he became aware of his environment and began to recognize that she was there. At that point, he turned and asked her how old she was. She told him that she was 19 years of age. He told her that he was 32 years old. Then he said, curse, ruthless time, curse our mortality. How cruelly short is the allotted span for all we must cram into it. He then went on to speak at length about the shortness of life and ended by saying, we are all worms, but I do believe that I am a glow worm. We are worms condemned to death, but through the perpetual light of Christ given to us, through our common experience and redemption given only by Christ's completed work, we can celebrate that we are all saints through Coram Deo. We can practice Coram Deo to God in authentic worship where with other believers we lift our hymns and prayers of praise. This corporate song of praise is the glorious hope that provided us with the strength to carry our burdens, with peace to calm our minds, with encouragement to fight our battles. Coram Deo means that the cross we bear is not an emblem of shame, but also of salvation, is not a symbol of guilt, but also of grace, not only a sign of condemnation, but also of justification made possible by God's grace. The saints of God are those who are standing before the throne and before the Lamb in this life and in the life to come. They are a group of ordinary people, past, present, and future, who have an extraordinarily close relationship with God. They are not perfectly sinless people, nor are they especially powerful people, but they are profoundly connected people, men and women who are linked directly to God and to the Lamb, Jesus Christ. This makes them stand out in a world well known for six or 60 or 600 degrees of separation. One of the elders in Revelation asked John, who are these robed in white and where have they come from? John shrugs his shoulders and so the elder answers his own question. They are not necessarily the best and the brightest, the most sophisticated, or the most successful, but instead they are the ones who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Out of this great ordeal, they have come out of a life of trials and temptations, distractions and interruptions, although being pushed, pulled, and sometimes pulverized by earthly events, job loss, marital problems, and conflict with neighbors. They have done their best to remain close to God through prayer, praise, scripture study, and acts of simple service. They have been bloodied by life, but then washed clean by their faith in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. They, like you, are the saints of God. Amen. Sherry Miller. How 
is the Day One Ministry helping people, and why should you support it? Episcopal priest and author Dr. Chuck Robertson says, Day One, the very name says it. It's about new beginnings and fresh starts. It's about hearing that unexpected but desperately needed word that seems to be meant just for you. And Baptist minister Dr. Bill Self says, Day One is a healthy proclamation of the Christian gospel with maturity and integrity and is worthy of our strong support. Please give generously to enable Day One to continue to proclaim this much-needed message on the radio and online. Send your gift to Day One, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. That's 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Or call us at 1-888-411-DAY1. Or give securely online at dayone.org. On behalf of everyone at Day One, thank you for your support. and offer some final reflections on today's message with our host, Peter Wallace. Bill, you pointed out in your glorious sermon that we all desperately want to be connected to others so that we won't feel lost in a complex, confusing, cold, and often cruel world. Many times we seek connections that are ultimately unhealthy, though. So how might we best connect others to fulfill this essential need? It's interesting in the context we got in point out that John was in the context in the Isle of Patmos where he was not necessarily mm. connected. Mm-hmm. But I believe that it's through transparency and honesty, authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. And the role of anyone is to uh, allow that to facilitate those things. And through that, that's how true and pure authentic relationships can come. You said there is one link in our life that can always be shortened and strengthened. That's our relationship with God where there is no degree of separation and the saints of God can show us the way to find this relationship, this quorum Deo, being in the presence of God. You said the best we can do to experience it is to practice it, and you gave us some, some good ideas. But say more about some of the practices we might engage in to strengthen our relationship with God. It, it is no accident that uh, Islam is the fastest-growing world religion, and the, the concept now, even in Christianity, of spirituality. So I would say the spiritual practices, first of all, of prayer, uh, the spiritual practices of meditation and finding the divine through your own authentic experiences, and also being with community. It's amazing that there's so many ways that we can be with community, not within uh, five miles of each other, but within the whole world. So all those three facets. The saints in Revelation 7 have come through trials and tribulations, bloodied by life, but washed clean by their faith in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. What might those saints be telling us right now? It's telling us that, indeed, we have uh, circumstances, whether it is psychological, spiritual, or either physical, there is hope through Jesus Christ. That is telling us that even in the midst of persecution, 
that we can be rejuvenated through the understanding of Jesus Christ who was resurrected and through his own suffering was resurrected that we might have life and life more abundantly. Bill, what's one thing from your sermon today that you hope our listeners will keep in mind this week? That we all share common experiences and that we shouldn't wait to revelations and the fulfillment of living together. We have to practice those practices Hmm. now and living together. One of the things that uh, God has allowed me to do since our last talking is from the word catalesso, which uh, means reconcile and dicatalesso, that it comes from the center core. So I want to practice uh, loving my brothers and sisters here on earth, that it could just be actualized and natural in heaven through Jesus Christ, who reconciled us all to the world. Bill Flippin, thank you for being with us. Always delighted. Thank you so much, Peter. Day One is the voice of America's mainline Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org. Our program is recorded and edited by Donald Jones and produced by Peter Wallace. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings on day one and forever.
are listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 
This is Morning Inspiration with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
This is Morning Inspiration with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, and on our Wheels for the World trip, young people with disabilities don't just receive wheelchairs. Sometimes they go and help distribute them. I'm describing here my friend Becky. She uses a wheelchair and is only in high school, but Becky has a real maturity and a heart to serve. So, with the help of her parents and the permission of her doctors, Becky traveled to Romania to help distribute wheelchairs to other kids with disabilities. And I tell you, the children in Romania adored her. They saw her as one of them. Everywhere Becky went, she recited Psalm 139. She'd tell everyone, I thank God because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wow, what a message for special needs kids and their parents in Romania. All said from a teen in a wheelchair. If you know a teenager like Becky who wants to serve Jesus and others, encourage them to visit us at johnnyandfriends.org. Is this radio spot where Nikki Baker's life, it would start pretty normal, like this. But, but then, then right, right around here, her life would take a bad turn with her mother abusing her. And about this far in, Nikki would drop out of high school and run away. Yeah, she'd be forced to work two jobs struggling to support herself and her daughter. She'd feel stuck, stuck, stuck. But then she'd decide to earn her GED diploma. She'd take my prep classes. Study every night and feel unstuck. Because she finally hears someone say, Nikki Baker, come up and get your GED diploma. If this radio spot were Nikki Baker's life, the ending wouldn't be the ending at all. It would be the beginning of a brighter future. For free info about GED test prep classes, call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or visit yourged.org. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Looking for a lift? Experience a seed from the soar with Michael Guido of Metter, Georgia. A prodigal became a Christian, and he said to his sister, Mary, I've got a new heart. Show me, she answered. And that's what the Bible says. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Not only on Sunday, but also Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You're to show it by your life. Witnessing is more than what you say, it's what you are. A girl was asked, under whose preaching were you converted? My mom's practicing, she answered. That's showing your religion from day to day by lip and by life. For your free copy of Dr. Guido's daily devotional, Seeds from the Soar, write The Soar, Metter, Georgia, 304-39. Visit us on the web at thesower.com. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
What tool does a vulture use to open an egg? The answer next on today's Creation Moment. And now, here's our Creation Moments host, Ian Taylor. School textbooks continue to claim that man is the only animal to use tools. Of course, speaking this way not only identifies man as merely another animal, but completely ignores the fact that man was made in the image of God, and thus has moral responsibilities. However, man the tool user argument supporting evolution has been quietly shot down, as science continues to discover a growing number of animal tool users. One of the latest creatures to be added to the list is the Egyptian vulture. About the size of a raven, the Egyptian vulture loves to eat the eggs of other birds. However, to get at the contents of the egg, the bird searches for a suitable stone to drop on the egg and break it open. While these stones are usually just large enough to do the job, the vultures have been recorded dropping stones that weigh over a pound. They hit their target about 50% of the time. The fact that there are animals that use tools shows that this evolutionary definition of man totally fails to describe what we really are. Tool using is not some evolutionary development. According to the Bible, when Adam and Eve were sent out of the Garden of Eden, they were given the task of tilling the ground, showing that man was a tool user from the very beginning. For more information, visit us online at creationmoments.com. You'll find both written and audio transcripts, creation-focused articles and Bible studies, and many other resources, all at creationmoments.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-800-42-BIBLE. And be sure to join us next time for another Creation Moment, proclaiming evidence of God's truth. I'm in almost every school blessing class. I go to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. You see me around the neighborhood, and you tell me that I'm a pretty good kid. Well, I'm one out of every five children in America, and I'm struggling with hunger. This problem is closer than you think. My teacher tells me we can grow up to be whatever we want. I want to grow up to be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. There's enough food in this country to feed everybody. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide eight meals for kids like me, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we are Feeding America, brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Johnny. And on one of our Wheels of the World trips to Peru, I met a Christian man who had traveled far from the Andes Mountains. He had brought his disabled sister, and he told me that they were just nobodies, no one of real importance. Well, when he received the wheelchair for his sister, we showed him 1 Peter, where the apostle tells us we are God's elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ. We reminded this Christian man and his disabled sister that the entire Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, were actively involved in their lives. Their circumstances may have been humble, but they left with a wheelchair, a Bible, and the confidence that they were chosen by God, his elect. Don't forget, friend, you are too. 
Learn more about how you can help the disabled by visiting us at johnnyandfriends.org. This is Morning Inspiration with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
Would you join with me, please, in prayer? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you that you loved me enough that you became a man and died on a cross, paid the price for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my sin. It's my sin that puts you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead. From the death of sin, you are giving me a new life. The life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart, and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? And are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to him. Come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself truly to him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved. If you gave your very life for me, the voices of a million.
until Wednesday. Till then, God bless you. Have, have yourself a wonderful and blessed day. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.